Hello, boys, and welcome to episode 74 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio. I am one of your co-hosts, and I am joined, as always, by my fellow creature of the night, my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, Mr. Travis White. And Travis, you know, I'm thinking we should be joined by... Jenny and Kate tonight because apparently this month on Talking Taker is Bring Your Wife to Work Month, <laughs> according to all this build. <laughs> bring Your Spouse to Work Month, exactly. <laughs> it absolutely is. We covered a lot of that on last week's episode with, um, uh, oh man, oh yeah, Insurrection, and then yeah, it's going to continue here to uh, Judgment Day, and yeah, apparently there was something, maybe it was like a corporate mandate, <laughs> Bring Your Wife to Work <laughs> Maybe that was <laughs> Hey, giving coupons or something? I'm not sure what it was. But anyway. Yeah, we'll see if we can get a run in for one of our wives here. Uh, well, we are talking about Judgment Day 2001 here on the show. A big-time main event for the WWF Championship as The Undertaker takes on Stone Cold Steve Austin for... I've lost count of how many times we've talked Rerun. about this <laughs> on this podcast, but, but we'll talk about that here in a little while. We're going to do what we always do, going through one match at a time, through The Undertaker's career, one pay-per-view match at a time, telling you the story of how we got there, talking about the match, reviewing it, and all that good stuff. So we uh, thank you for joining us, everybody out there, uh, whether it's your first time or your 74th time uh, joining us. Uh, we appreciate no you out there listening. Uh, but Travis, you mentioned before we got on, you wanted to mention, you know, we're, we're going to take our time traveling motorcycle back 17, well, 18 years now to 2001. Uh, but we had an Undertaker signing right here in 2019 uh, that you wanted to yeah. talk about. Yeah, man. I um, I just recently stumbled across, in fact, this morning before I went to work, I stumbled across uh, um, this. It's like a, it's video from onit.com who they used to sponsored steve austin's podcast they might still i don't know i don't listen to his as much as i used to but anyway they're a big gym brand and they do supplements and stuff like that and like they're kind of like gnc i think but anyway they had this uh, uh these honest stories about different sports and stuff and they have one called true wrestling and it's got these two guys um i don't remember their names it's, it's honestly not important but uh, oh i think uh, ricky starks and aaron solo are their names um who actually aaron solo is bailey's fiance. So oh, um, I okay. guess he is kind of maybe may important one day in the wrestling business. But um, anyway, it's these two guys, and they wrestle in the indies down in um, Mexico and down in Texas. And apparently in late 2018, they sat down with um, Taker, the dead man, big daddy dead man himself, Mark Calloway, <laughs> at the Schmidt Family Barbecue in B Cave, Texas. <laughs> is that a thing? S C H M I D T Schmidt Family Barbecue. He was just visiting a family's barbecue and they went and interviewed him. So I guess in the course of the, the documentary, it's about twenty four or five minutes, I think I think, but he's only in it for probably seven or eight, just kinda of dispersed throughout the, the story of the of the uh of the uh episode. But um one of the guys says that they knew that Taker lived nearby. They didn't know that he ate there, and so they ran oh, into it there one time. Yeah, it's a restaurant. <laughs> it was at somebody's backyard barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Fourth of July cookout. <laughs> the Schmidt family having the Callaways over. <laughs> That's what I thought you meant. <laughs> Just took a whole other turn. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's a restaurant. Okay. My bad. Okay. All right. It's all good. Oh man, pop the brakes! I just popped me huge. 
<laughs> He's from Texas. He loves barbecue. <laughs> oh, man. So, anyway. This might be the greatest podcast in the history of our great sport. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so it's the Schmidt Family Barbecue Restaurant in okay. Cave, Texas. I'm sure, it's, I'm sure it's great. I can't wait to visit. <laughs> I can't wait to go. <laughs> One of the guys runs in to uh, take her there, introduces himself, and then that leads to them being on him being on this episode apparently oh my goodness it got me <laughs> so anyway i, I want to borrow a couple quotes that he says i'm going to i'm going to read these from a transcription from uh wrestling inc i, I want to give them credit for doing this writing this out but um he talks about um uh let me find it right here. he says um sometimes you have to set the angle within a match but you got to have a reason for one guy to be loved and one guy to be hated at the end of the day whatever you're doing in the ring you want it to look real genuine and authentic and he says, I think it's a huge problem nowadays. Everybody acts the same way. Everybody overplays to the audience, and it's like, okay, what do you do next? Um, and then there's um, another scene. I think it's actually in the Instagram clip that's kind of a little bit re-edited. And he says, um, everybody's calling. You want to backflip off of this and on to that. And he says, mm. well, once you do that a couple times, it's like, okay, what do you got to do now? Yeah. He says, well, I got to do two flips and then, and then two and a half. And then he said, when they get used to that, then what do you do? Instead of learning the finer nuances of what we do, and that's tell stories. He says, granted, physical, painful stories, but stories nonetheless. And that just stood out to me, in all seriousness. Um, so I'm trying to get off, off my giggle box here. Um, <laughs> it stood off to me because as we're going to talk about this match, um, there's it's there there's nothing fancy about this match. It's right. more of an attitude era brawl, you know. Um, and honestly, as we're we're recording this, kind of on the on the heels of Wrestle Kingdom. And I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to watch some of the matches there. I've seen some highlights. But honestly, a lot of it was flip this. It's physicality. It's 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 this fast-paced style. It's athletic. I didn't see a lot of stories being told. Man. And sometimes you don't see that's a complaint about the product nowadays, you know, even – like he says, the finer the finer nuances, and that's what we do is we tell stories in the ring, you know. So um, I just really, and he, in this interview, he seems like the coolest dude to just sit down with. Man. Oh like, yeah, he yeah. seems awesome. So anyway, I wanted to put that over. Um, we'll try to put a link up on our social media if we can. Uh, if we yeah, can link it it's to already it. up there. I, I just tweeted it oh, okay. as we're recording this here right. a few days out, so you can go back through it. I, I might tweet it out there again later. Yeah. But like you say, you can just search for on it wrestling or on it Undertaker. O N N I T Undertaker. It should be it should pop right up there on there. Uh, thank you for tuning us in on that. I gotta check it out. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. But like I said, he just just his his grasp of the business is great. And like I said, he's just, this is recorded in late of last the end of last year, and so. Um, he knows what he's talking about still. And um, also one thing he talks about too in this in this little interview is um, saying that when you're in the indies, you kind of learn stuff that will prepare you for later on. He goes on to talk about how when and the uh, Beware of Dog incident when the, yeah. the power went out. Right. He's like, you know, we had to improvise. We just had to do stuff. Like, you got to ad lib because you don't want to give the finish away, you know, when the lights are out. So he kind of talks about that. Like, you know, if you don't do the indies and you don't, you don't. You're not allowed to improvise, and, and everything's you know scripted. Then you don't. You know, you, you just fail basically in the ring. So I just really appreciated his take on the business there. He's a he's a genius, and we appreciate him. That's why we're doing this podcast. So anyway, I wanted to put that Absolutely. over real quick before we begin. So, man, that's really cool. You know, we've talked on here 
uh, at length about how we're not wrestlers, how we sure you know, we did, no means. <laughs> yeah, we took a few bumps and trained for for a couple of weeks, but we are not professionals by any means. So you take everything we say with a grain of salt because we're fans and everything, and sure. you know, we can have our own opinion on the business. But that right there, that's coming from one of the greatest <laughs> of all time and all time legend, from Big Daddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he he knows a thing or two, and I don't think it sounds like it's just. Uh, you know, pardon the pun, but an old guy saying, you know, get out of my yard. Like, you know, I right. think he's given real wise advice that people listen exactly. to. And the younger generation, they're always going to push it further. Uh, you know, that's sure. they're never going to listen uh, until it's too late most of the time. But you could still, you can change and you can innovate while still using some of this wisdom and changes uh, that, that yeah. he would be talking about. Because, you know, I'm sure... Luthez would watch an Undertaker match and, and yep, tell exactly. him, you know, you're going too fast, you're doing way too much, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but you shouldn't dive over the top rope or walk the top oh, rope. Someone, exactly. you know, exactly. Absolutely. So you know, it is what it is. And like, again, I'm not. Believe me, I'm not knocking New Japan. I enjoy the product, and I will watch probably right. most of Wrestle Kingdom itself. But I'm but just saying, he, what he's saying is true. Yes, you gotta tell stories, man. And you give that. I mean, we get that in WWF or WWE as well. You know, there's this the 45 minute match on Raw. Sweet. What the heck was the story? What were the stakes? Yeah. What was the point of it? You know? There's, you um, know, doing so. great moves and having an athletic <clears throat> yeah. exhibition is really cool, but that's that's also if that's a, all you're doing. That's why you're going to have the lowest ratings you've ever had. Yeah, and there's a balance between it. So, but anyway, I just want to put that over before we uh, get into this because it, it is it's pretty much the antithesis of what this match is. This match is nothing pretty. It's fun though, but um, we'll get into it and we'll break it down here. Well, Undertaker, if you want to come on the only podcast that's dedicated to you completely, 100%, the invitation's open to you. Uh, we can come to the family barbecue if you want, or, you know, whatever it takes there, buddy. We'll, uh, we'll cook up some uh, Boston butt, uh, pulled pork, whatever, whatever. If you like ribs, we can do that. Carolina sauce. Uh, whatever you're into, man, uh, we would love to talk to you as well, Undertaker. Just follow us on Instagram. Come on, that's that's all we're asking for here. Uh, exactly. Then we can talk about the podcast stuff after that. We'll we'll, we'll figure it out, buddy. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. So, uh, well, let's figure oh, this man. out, man. Let's figure out Judgment Day 2001, <clears throat> or in the words of Jerry Lynn, what do we call it? Judgment Day. There you go. What do you do? I can't encourage you guys enough to go watch Judgment Day just for his interview. Yeah, <laughs> we might need to post a link to that with on our page. <laughs> well, we're going to, like we said, travel back in time to May of 2001. We're going to pick up after Insurrection 2001, which if you skipped out on that one last week, I encourage you to go check it out. Uh, we think those UK shows are real sleeper shows, and uh, a lot of you probably didn't watch it going back in the day, but a lot of you did since we've heard from a lot of UK listeners. But uh, us Americans might not have ever seen those, might not think they're important, so maybe you skip over those on this journey. Go check it out, man. We had a lot of fun talking about it, and there's a lot of missing pieces as we're going into Judgment Day that you won't have heard about unless you go listen to that episode. So go check that out. Put us on pause. Come back. We're going to pick up at Raw 415 on May 7th, 2001, and, you know, I'm just going <laughs> to, I said everything about that being important, but uh, this show opens up with a recap of SmackDown with absolutely no mention of Insurrection, so exactly. forget whatever I just said. Uh, <laughs> there's actually not a ton to talk about on this episode of Raw because Vince McMahon has ordered a 24-hour cooling-off period between mm. Stone Cold and The Undertaker uh, because of their you know, big brawls and crazy fights last week on Raw and SmackDown. And McMahon has 
given Undertaker the night off for his own good. So Undertaker is actually not going to be on this show at all. Excuse me. He's not going to be on this show at all in person. Uh, you might think when someone gets the night off, that's like code for, well, they're going to show up at the end. But that didn't happen with Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not only is it bringing your spouse to work day, it's also you don't have to work either. <laughs> not a bad month, I guess. <laughs> not, not bad. Not a bad deal. <clears throat> so instead of Undertaker on this show, we get Mick Foley coming in. and he's Because the, they're in Long Island tonight, and he's got a new book coming out. So he's going to come out and plug that, even though he's technically not allowed to be there. Uh, but he puts over the main event of Judgment Day, which we learned is going to be Undertaker in Austin. He says that um, uh, he enjoyed Undertaker throwing Stone Cold through a glass window on SmackDown <laughs> and uh, tells Austin that at Judgment Day, he can't wait to see Undertaker make him famous. But he tells him not to worry about that because being made famous isn't all that bad. It, it worked out really well for Mick Foley because he's got a new book out and everything. <laughs> Anything to shill that book. Always, man. Uh, number one shill of all time. This is in Long Island, which is the the burial place of Taker's parents, remember? Oh, that's right. I wonder if he <laughs> went and laid some roses on the grave. Maybe he did. Maybe that's why I gave Taker the night off. Those of you that don't remember, that's a little callback to when I was on Vince Russo's show and he clarified that for me. Oh, so. yeah, that's canon. <laughs> yeah, that is, official. that is canon. It is in storyline. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Vince Russo. Well, uh... This segment really just exists to... I'm not going to get into all the details because it involves Rikishi, and I don't really want to talk about it, but it exists to turn the big brown machine back to babyface after this months-long, torturous heel turn that he's been on. Six months. Yeah. Uh, Mick Foley convinces Rikishi he's just being used by Mr. McMahon. Uh, Steph and Vince and Regal all come out trying to convince Rikishi otherwise, and Stephanie... Uh, in her full volume heel voice, just screeches out to Rikishi to take your big, fat, cheesy, oily cakes and stick them in Mick Foley's face, rub them in his face. Do it now. Mm. And that's what turns the tide. Man, Rikishi <clears throat> can't stand that, so he loses his cool and super kicks Commissioner Regal. And he dances with Mick Foley to the Too Cool music. First time he's danced in months. And it's 20 minutes of my life that I wish I would uh, could have back. Well, I'm glad you had to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the recap of it on SmackDown, and it, made, it bored me to tears. It was so. rough. Um, <clears throat> and I, I, I mention it because it's going to lead to Rikishi and Austin in the main yeah. event. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, Austin's going <clears> to <throat> pick up a win over Rikishi in that main event. And... Uh, Austin gets a little bit of a beatdown in on Foley after the match, but Rikishi makes the save with a chair and does get a big old stink face on Stephanie to really cement his babyface turn. And for all the Stephanie haters out there, which I can be one of them sometimes, I will say she took this stink face head on. Like Dude. her face <laughs> literally was directly yeah. in between his butt cheeks. Like, face on, man. Some guys yeah. will turn their face when they take the stink face, and but she went all in. <laughs> she is all the way live for that one. Yeah. <laughs> She was hashtag all in. Yes, she was. Um, but Undertaker was on this show. He cuts a promo at WWE Studios in Stanford uh, as JR and Heyman. So he's him. at work. Yeah, he's at work. It's Stanford. Yeah, had to go to the office. <laughs> uh, the announcers ask Undertaker, what's this 24 hour cooling period uh, all about? Taker says, oh, it's all really simple. 
Uh, Vince doesn't want him to take off Austin's other eye because we know he poked one eye out on Ooh. SmackDown, turned him into the one-eyed rattlesnake. Oh. <laughs> to, <laughs> says Vince wants to protect his investment, but Undertaker says, well, there's no one left to protect Austin anymore. Uh, he talks about Austin making a deal with the devil and having to live with those consequences. And the consequence is that he's now number one on Dead Man Inc.'s hit list. And this is Whoa. not... Yeah, it, it it reads better, but it's really not one of Undertaker's <laughs> best promos. We've seen him deliver some really cool promos during this time, yeah. but he's just kind of ranting and rambling and talking really fast, and I, I didn't really... It's not my favorite one, uh, although he does say... In 13 days, Austin, I'm going to skin your rattlesnake ass, hang it on a shed, and when your hide is nice and dry, I'll be wearing you... On my feet. How do you like that? That was a pretty good line. There you go. And you know, skin boots can make a tie out of it. He could, or if Sarah has something to say about it, she might turn them into some snakeskin pants. (laughs) Hashtag blame Sarah. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Or he might wrap them around his kneecaps like Austin does. (laughs) (laughs) Because of his ego, as we found out last week. If you don't get that, you didn't listen to episode seventy-three. Come on, y'all. Uh, Austin cuts a promo on Undertaker as well during the show, and yeah, he he says he'll be wearing the Undertaker's butt on his feet instead. So that's, <laughs> this is a, that's that's like Joe Dirt. You want you want to fight? I'm like, my, my head, see your head up above and fight for air. Just, <laughs> just, that sounds terrible. Uh, Both men are gonna try to skin each other after this match is over. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, but uh, that's about it for that episode of Raw. <clears throat> oh, wow. Wow, what a depressing episode of Raw that Not was. one of the best of all time, no. <clears throat> no, no, no. Well, that's going to lead us into SmackDown 90 on May 10th, 01. We see Taker arriving backstage, and Vince intercepts him. He comes in, and he's like, I want to make sure you and Austin can survive in the same building after your cooling-off period and not looking for any trouble here. Austin's already here, and if there's any physicality between you two, it could put your title match at Judgment Day in jeopardy. And Vince says, I want to ask you one more time. Are you cool? Yeah, boss. I'm cool in the game. Cool in the game. Oh, <laughs> and he no. walks away. And he no. says it almost like I just did, like Snoop Dogg or something. No. <laughs> yeah, boss. I'm cool in the game. So, cool in the gang reference there, which is excellent. I guess they could play Celebration or something at that point. So, Dad Junkie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man. Um Taker walks by some J Brown backstage and he's like, You seen Austin? And he's like, Yeah, he's right around the corner and so Taker has something for him and he pulls this shiny old Jacob Marley chain out of his bag. As we again, if you don't get that, you can listen to episode seventy three. So he's got his chain. He's in the chain gang, I guess. So uh he barges into Stone Cold's dressing room looking for him and he says, um, we got a few things to discuss, son. That's all right, because I ain't going anywhere tonight. I think I'll sit right here and wait for you, because Austin is not in there. Hmm. So Austin's missing out of his own locker room. <clears throat> Later on, this plays on throughout the whole night. There's a lot of backstage segments, um, not a lot of in-ring stuff, a lot of backstage stuff. So we see Austin and Deborah in Vince's office, and Austin's like, you know, take us with my stuff. I don't, you know, and he's got that chain. I'm not going to go in there and get my stuff. Someone's going to go get my stuff, which I just wrote. That's a far cry from the Austin of old who would have. Oh, yeah. Not cared. Barged in their head, like head first and just welled away 
on anybody who had a chain or not. He doesn't care. So he's definitely, you know, in this heel mode and becoming a pansy and this this kind of stuff, you know, which is just, again, it was so sudden, such a sudden change of character for him. So um, later on, we see Taker going through Austin's stuff. He pulls out some red Manchu, gets a fat dip. So Austin's a dipper as well, we find out here. Um, well, he pulls out some red man, takes a fat dip and puts it in his mouth. And then uh, this beer guy, this beer jabroni, delivers some beer. He's got like 24-pack of beer. <laughs> and Taker's like, I assure you that he'll get every single one of them. And then he spits into his dip cup. <clears throat> Later oh on, Austin, yeah, yeah. Austin's angry. He's like, he's got my belt. He's got my two. What's next? <laughs> the two most important things right exactly. there. Exactly. Exactly. So – Vince is like, calm down, calm down, and Deborah tells him to calm down, and he doesn't take too kindly to that, so he gives her a dirty look. So then <clears throat> later on, Vince is like, I got a plan. You know, let's send Deborah in there to get your stuff. He never hit a lady, and Austin's like, best idea I've heard all day, and uh, which took me way back to SNL. But anyway, and he's like, go in there and get my stuff, Deborah. And so she enters the locker room, and she says, take her. I'm politely asking you to leave. And uh, he goes, what? I don't get no slap this time? And so <laughs> he tells her. Yeah, exactly. Callback was that to to last uh, SmackDown? Week. Yeah. yeah, last week. So then he t- he tells her to uh, I want you to deliver this message to Steve, and he then spits his fat dip on her chest, oh like on God. her, like yeah, it's disgusting. And I just felt for her as we've mentioned. Oh yeah, You've episodes been there. ago. Well, it's going to get even worse here for somebody else in a minute, and I really felt for this next person. So later on, Deborah comes in and she's like, "He spit tobacco." Tobacco on my dress, and it got it on my leg even, and so which I guess that puts it over the top. That's part. it on, yeah, my leg. Got it on my leg. Yeah, I mean, so, she have great legs. That's, she does. She, yeah, she does. So Austin is absolutely incredulous, and he's like, "This is the worst idea I've ever heard. Why did you go in there?" So he's immediately turning his back on Vince. And, uh, I love Vince heel says, Austin. I'm I just do. gonna put I, it I out really there, do. man. As it's getting more and more, and he's getting his his comedic timing is awesome. I love it. So. Um, Austin's like, or excuse me, Vince goes, I got just the guy to go get your stuff. So then Vince fetch, fetches Commissioner Regal. He's like, I need you to go get your stuff and uh, go get Austin's stuff. And he has to explain everything that's transpired up to this point to oh Regal, who's apparently not watching his own show he commissions. So I hate wrestling amnesia, as we pointed out last week. No, but that's Watch- a huge <laughs> thing going through all these shows. There's yes. like so many segments, so many backstage things. On, yeah. On, even on the paper. It feels like Russo. Dude. Yeah. And Russo's again, he's miles away from any wrestling company at this point. So um so anyway, um he says, uh, I can't get or, no Regal says, I can't get him out, it's the Undertaker. And Vince is like, he'll listen to reason, you're a reasonable man. Uh he also has a chain, by the way. And Regal's like <laughs> making those facials, you know, Regal only Regal can do. So he goes and knocks on the door of Austin's uh, locker room and he, he comes in and Taker's drinking Austin's beer. And uh, Regal's like, you're trespassing. And uh, Taker says, the door says Undertaker's yard. <clears throat> and uh, Regal fusses at him, and he's like, you got a disgusting habit of spitting tobacco, and I don't know why you're doing this, and this is disgusting and filthy. And then in a moment that just takes me back, in a terrible flashback, Taker then pours his entire cup of dip spit. And at this point, it's probably three inches of dip spit. <laughs> he pours it on Regal's head. And I mean, I cannot put over Regal's facials. They are phenomenal. It's absolutely insane. Well, do you think this was working dip spit or you think it's a shoot dip spit? The way it like molasses down his head, like slowly and like didn't, it wasn't just like water. Like it looked like shoot 
spit. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I bet. It reminded me of the spit that went on my head. <laughs> I <laughs> bet dollars to donuts pocket. that was shoot spit in that cup, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, then, that's amazing. Yeah. And so Regal's not pleased. And then Taker goes, he sit, Taker sits down and he goes, Commissioner, don't worry about it. It's good for your hair. It is a bad habit, though. <laughs> I love that. And I just wrote my notes, uh, tobacco is wacko if you're a teen, you know, which is funny because Christian and Edge are backstage and they run into Regal and he's got all the stuff on his head. And apparently they haven't been watching either because they're asking him what happened. And he's like, oh, I, uh, I had an accident with the coffee. And they're like, well, your coffee sucks. It smells terrible. So anyway, and then so I finally I think, figured out that that's why they have to say the tobacco is wacko if you're yeah, a teen. If you're a teen, yeah, yeah, it's cool if you're you know if you're a middle aged guy, <laughs> middle aged biker, yeah, or the WWF champion. Yeah, by all means, rep. chew tobacco. But if you're yeah, a teen, chew away. Oh, it's totally yeah. wacko. But it's just funny because they eventually learn this tobacco, and then Christian's like, "Man, tobacco is wacko if you're a teen," which I just thought was really funny. So. Um, Later, we're not done yet, folks. Taker's staring at the title. He finally gets fed up. He throws his beer and he throws a chair. He's like, I'm going to make Austin come to me. And he puts on Austin's uh, vest. Ooh. The little B. I think it's the uh, BMF vest. And he wraps his fist in a chain. So um, he's going hunting, I guess. So then we immediately cut to a Tobacco's Wacko if you're a teen commercial, which That's I just incredible. think. Incredible. <laughs> couldn't be placed any better. Perfect so. timing. Yeah, I don't think well, they, they watched this show. The tobacco people. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't think they'd be sponsoring it anymore. No, after this week, they definitely wouldn't. So, um, in the midst of all this overstuffed stuffed crust pizza episode, we got Triple H and Stephanie leave in the limo because Stephanie almost gets another stink face from Rikishi, so she's terrified and nervous. So they leave. That's going to play into something's going to happen in a little bit. So. Taker rides down on his motorcycle. He's wearing Austin's vest. He's got the title around his waist, and he's got a Jacob Marley chain around his neck. So, and I just wrote, he definitely looks like a BMF. In this, oh, in this yeah, outfit. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, um, he says the whole night's not been about uh, the title. It's been about finding out if Austin has a set, and he calls Austin to the ring since you won't show up backstage. Of course, Vince comes out. He's like, Austin's twice the man you are. Tells Taker to take off the chain. Taker obliges, and then he takes off the vest. He's like, if that's what it takes to get Austin out here, I'll do it. So apparently Austin's scared of vests and chains. I don't know. It's two biggest fears. Yeah. Um, so Vince is like, why don't you take the title off so you don't use it as a weapon? I've been down this road before. You like to hit people with it. So Taker just takes it and just throws it like at JR and Heyman, like completely just trashes it, just throws it across the, the to the outside. He's like, now it's just me and these two suit bones waiting on your boy, Austin. So then Vince goes around and makes sure that every metal folding chair is removed. He, t- he starts kicking people off the chairs, like these little like production guys and everything. And then Austin's music hits, and he comes out and rushes the ring, and they start trading blows, uh, Austin Taker. But Austin's just bumping and feeding like like he's a cruiserweight here um, in true heel fashion. And then yeah. Vince comes in, hits Taker with a chair from behind, but of course he no-sells it. Then Taker chokeslams Vince. And it's pretty cool looking because Vince takes a good choke slam. Better than he takes a stunner, that's for sure. This <laughs> <laughs> is the worst stunner taker. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, Austin then attacks Taker, stomps a mud hole in him. He's about to hit him with a chair. And then Kane's music hits, and he returns. Ah. So, exactly. Back from uh, arm rehab, I guess. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Uh, Austin heads up the ramp, but he eats a big boot from, from Kane. 
The Bros of Destruction then stalk Austin back into the ring. He's forced to leave to the crowd, and they stand atop the ramp to close the show. And again, Triple H, part of the power trip, he's left earlier, so that's why he couldn't come out and help. Uh-huh. So that's why I mentioned that earlier. That that played into this whole build. So, well, perhaps that's leading into Ooh. yeah. <laughs> Take a breather, man. Yeah. Uh, perhaps that's leading into the two-man power trip's new plan that they're going to put into place here on episode raw since austin was isolated and attacked by the brothers they're going to hatch a plan to do that to the undertaker here on this raw may 14th 2001 the go home raw for judgment day 2001 episode 416 and uh they show a recap of everything that happened and um you know it's some of this is good. Some of this is is I don't know. I, I I'm I'm not super feeling this feud and this matchup at this point. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how were you kind of feeling the same way. Same. Yeah. I'm not really feeling it at this point, honestly. I was just trying to figure out like what it is about it that's not really clicking and missing with me. Like uh, maybe maybe the heel face dynamics are weird. Like maybe it's better when Undertaker's heel and and Austin's baby face for those two. Um, maybe. Yeah. Probably. And maybe it's just that I felt like Austin, you know, we like a lot of the stuff that he's doing as a heel, but it was just yeah. the wrong time and the wrong place for him to be a heel. Uh, it just right. didn't, we, we've talked about this before, but when Hulk Hogan turned heel, it was like long overdue. Uh, but Austin, it just didn't feel like it was, you, you're still a few years away from it probably. There's still so much life left in him as uh, as the BMF, as the yeah. as the leader of the WWF. Uh, so something felt like it wasn't quite, quite clicking with me. But what if, go ahead. What if he hadn't been a heel at all until after he walked down the company and then when he came back? That could have worked. Remember, like when Rock Maybe. Like, left and then he came back and he was a heel because he was Moostar. What if that would have worked out? I don't he know. He could have done something like that. I could see. But that. anyway, that would change a lot of history. But anyway, oh, just, for sure. Yeah, I'm course. just saying. What if you know? Well, I say all that uh, before I watch the show, but then. The two-man power trips start the show here. They each get their separate entrances. And I'll tell you what, dude. I believe they're in Cincinnati for this episode of Raw. Yes. They got a ton of heel heat, man. They came out and were getting booed out of the building. So maybe, I don't know, maybe this kind of worked better than people actually remember it. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, we're going to see that at the pay-per-view, too. Austin got yeah. a ton of heel heat during the match as well. I was blown away. Me too. I don't. I don't remember it being that significant. I, I was blown either. away watching this match. Yeah. Triple H gets on the mic first. He says it's clear that Kane Ugh. is not the smartest guy in his family. He's got to get his stuff in, you know. Um, uh, and challenges Kane to a chain match at Judgment Day for the Intercontinental Title. Uh, the announcers are just incredulous over this, saying, "Well, Kane's got a broken arm. How could you do? It? Why would you ever do something like that?" Um, and the whole point of this promo is Stone Cold and Triple H are basically just daring Undertaker and Kane to come out here. They keep saying they're not dumb sure. enough to accept their challenges. That would be so stupid for them to come out here. So it's clear that they've got some sort of plan in place. Uh, Stone Cold, again, just being a great heel here, says Undertaker's a coward for sneak attacking him and using weapons and says he would never do those types of things. And uh, he doesn't deserve to be treated like that. So remember Austin saying he doesn't deserve to be treated like that because you're going to hear it a lot. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Stone Cold challenges Taker and Kane to a tag team title match tonight for the main event and once again says they're not dumb enough to accept that challenge. 
and uh, Stone Cold's bashing on the town that they're in, and again just getting massive heel heat here. They keep he keeps having to stop what he's doing because the crowd's just booing over what he's saying. It's it's really really big. And in return, Undertaker is going to interrupt them to a huge babyface reaction. The crowd is very very excited to see him. And even though Kane came back on SmackDown, Undertaker walks out by himself. Or I should say he's got the equalizer with him around his neck. Ooh, Denzel. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Dude, if he walked out with Denzel Washington, <laughs> that'd be awesome. You know he could cut a sweet promo. Oh, yeah. Same when he cuts in every movie. Exactly. Oh, oh, oh man. Uh <laughs> He uh, accepts the tag team challenge for tonight and tells Austin, I believe he's used this line before, to give his soul to the Lord because his you-know-what belongs to him. Yep, there you go. Uh, Tager then says, if Triple H and Austin don't like surprises, then they're not going to like what happens next. As Kane's pyro explodes and Kane comes out of the crowd into the ring and he's got uh, got the equalizer too with him, uh, swinging it around his neck. Yeah, Austin gets away real fast, but Kane gets a few shots in on Triple H. As Jr. Jr. so excited, he's screaming, "Kane's got a chain! Kane's got a chain! Kane's got a chain!" He didn't realize what he did at first. He like said it, but then he was like, "Oh, it's rhyme. Sorry, I'm just it gonna rhymes. keep saying." Kane got a chain. Kane got a chain. He loved it, dude. Uh, and the brothers stand tall, swinging their chains around their head, and the crowd is just in love with this. Oh man! man. Give these two guys a prop, a weapon to swing around. The crowd is <laughs> here for it. And unfortunately, that's going to be the most exciting part of Undertaker's night. It's all going to be downhill from here uh, as we. Enter into this show-long storyline uh, of the police arriving to the building. Uh, we see Baby Coach backstage announcing the breaking news that the police have arrived and they are searching for the Undertaker. And I just thought, God, I, I hope he hasn't been caught raising too much hell. <laughs> we had a one nine four seven raising too much hell. Jeez. Oh, but now when you say the police, you don't mean Sting, right? Uh, and I don't mean Sting, the wrestler or the uh, musician, Hall of Fame okay. musician. Okay. Uh, I mean one plainclothes police officer. The police. <laughs> yeah. And not the big boss man either. Oh, okay. Uh, later on, we see Coach standing outside the Dead Man Inc. locker room. It's got a sign on the door that says that. Well, he does. Uh, he's got his own. Open. Yeah, excuse me. That's what I should have said. His business office. <laughs> uh, and Coach is talking, and all of a sudden, Undertaker bolts out of the locker room. And he's got his uh, got all his dress clothes on, and he's got his bags, and he runs full speed out of the locker room, out of the arena. <laughs> he's so fast. He's like a puma, man. He runs by. <laughs> Uh, well, we find out, unfortunately, that this that. is because a uh, police officer informs us and coach that Undertaker's wife, Sarah, has been involved in a car accident. And uh, he can't mm. give us the details on what happens, but the police are providing an escort for Undertaker to get to the airport. And uh, yeah, it, apparently it's very serious. The announcers are acting very serious about it, very somberly. And yeah, uh, Undertaker's got to leave and, and go check on his wife. Mm. Uh, hope she's okay. Yeah, hope she's okay. Um, Stone Cold hopes she's okay too. He goes and finds the police <laughs> yes. officer, 
before he leaves the building. Uh, but what he really wants to know is how did the Undertaker take the news? And the police officer is confused. And Austin says, well, what was the expression on his face? And the police officer says he was upset. And Austin thanks the officer, and a little, very, very subtle smile creeps across Austin's face as we're beginning to understand what exactly is going on here. Hmm. Uh, Kane tries to leave the building a little bit later on to join his brother, but Commissioner Regal stops him before he leaves. Uh, unfortunately, Kane's not wearing like that jumpsuit that we saw him oh, arrive man. to the yeah. ca- Kane's casual wear. I wish he was. Yeah. He's just wearing his gear, though. Kane's windbreaker from Nashville. <laughs> the purple windbreaker. Um, Regal tells Kane, like, I know you're upset, but if uh, we have a show to do tonight, people have paid good money to see you perform here. And your brother already has breached his contract by leaving. And if you leave tonight, I'll have to fire the both of you. Uh, So Kane tosses his bag down, storms off as a subtle smile creeps across William Regal's face now. Man. appears he may be in on all this. Uh, Regal later on announces that the show must go on despite what happens to The Undertaker. And they need a main event tonight. So he has no choice but to match up. Triple H and Stone Cold against Kane in a handicap match. Of course. There's no choice. No choice. So uh, kind of uh, shades of our insurrection battle. Kane uh, taking Undertaker's place here. JR just cannot believe this asinine matchup. He's very upset I love that word. (laughs) It's a good word. Disco Inferno uses all the time. Does he? Yes. That's the only good thing he does. Uh, Vince and Deborah are backstage, and, and Deborah is very concerned about what happened to Sarah. It appears she's not really in on this plan. Uh, she sure. seems actually upset, and she says, "I hope this nothing like this ever happens to me." And Austin tells her, "Don't worry about it. It will never ever happen to you." Uh, Stone Cold clarifies with William Regal that the main event is a handicap match, and he's trying to act all innocent here saying well is it really fair for Kane to have to compete in this match after what their family has been through and Regal assures him that it's fair and Austin says okay well as long as it's fair uh, then uh, I want to make sure that the tag team titles are on the line tonight uh, so ah, keeps going <laughs> the uh, man the power trip and their wives are about are all backstage Deborah and Stephanie are back there and, and- have you guys heard all the horrible rumors about her condition oh yeah i've heard that she has massive hemorrhaging well that ain't what i heard i heard her face is all mangled and twisted cut up and even if she does make it she ain't never gonna look the same again very creepy where did they hear this from i I don't know i guess they're on uh uh myspace not my space. I was trying to say an old wrestling site. Uh, OneWrestling.com or yeah. something like that. <laughs> DDT Digest. DDT Digest. <laughs> they were all WCW, but maybe they were getting rumors. Uh, maybe. Uh, yeah, but he, it is funny how he's Austin's going over the top with it because I remember seeing a replay of bar, uh, his part on so SmackDown. so weird and so creepy, especially when he yeah. tells Deborah like, nothing will ever happen to you. I can guarantee you that. And he's just like, yeah. mm, just knowing their history is a little yeah. bit uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> um, but speaking of wives, uh, my wife did actually watch a little bit of this. She was in the room. While I was oh, watching yeah? some of this and she comment. Well, first of all, she said, uh, it, it was during the opening segment. She said, is wrestling ever going to get like this again? And I said, 
Ah, probably nope. not. <laughs> just like not a the, chance. You know, no, the crowd is just into everything. There's so much yep. passion and personality in what everyone's doing. Um, and then she called Stone Cold Forrest Gump because he's out there in his jean shorts and he's got both leg braces on while he's got his <laughs> jean shorts on. He says, it's like Forrest Gump. <laughs> You're not wrong. That's heresy. <laughs> Oh man, life is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> Give me a hell yeah! <laughs> what if he says that? I want to say that. One Stone time. Cold Forrest Gump. <laughs> My God, uh, Stone what? Cold ET. You ever seen that? <laughs> I seen what? Have you seen Stone Cold ET? No. What? <laughs> I have not. <laughs> Stop the tape. I might have to go watch that. <laughs> you right might now. have to go watch that right now. <laughs> oh! Shout out to Stone Cold ET, one of my favorite That's internet nice. videos ever. Oh man, I haven't. I missed that one. This is Stone Cold ET, and I just want to order a couple White Castles to go. Investigative journalist Michael Cole is going to really get to the bottom of all this here. Finally, he talks to Kane and the Chain, and Kane tells <laughs> he talks to the Chain. <laughs> talks to the chain. <laughs> Well, the the chain's going to talk here. Uh, Kane tells Taker and Sarah that this match is for them. And he tells Triple H and Austin, this is for them. And smacks the chain wildly against some metal pipes, just wildly clanging it up against them. Why are there always metal pipes backstage at a wrestling show? Why are there cookie sheets underneath the ring? You never know. You never know. (laughs) So finally, these guys have a match, sort of. Uh, It's really, after all this talking, there's only about five minutes for this match to happen. Uh, so Triple H, uh, they have you know a standard handicap match, but Triple H and Austin can't put Kane away. So Triple H grabs the chain after a few minutes and just starts assaulting it in front of uh, in front of the referee, uh, assaulting Kane. And so Earl Hebner's forced to toss the match out. But Austin and Triple H don't really care because this was the plan all along to get the right. Undertaker out of the building, to get Kane alone, to to uh, destroy him here. As Austin grabs a mic and says he doesn't want anyone to think Stone Cold is not a heartless uh, SOB because he says, I am going to destroy The Undertaker on Sunday and I got a feeling your little wife is going to be just fine as a smile creeps across Austin's face and we know what's going on, but the crowd, I don't know if they didn't see all the backstage segments or really just understand what to make of all this because they're kind of dead silent for this reveal (laughs) and this beatdown. But I will say it was a little bit long and a little bit convoluted, but I was entertained. You know, it it yeah. it, it, it was uh, it was a good way to build up some heat between these two guys and uh, get Kane alone, and also keep Austin and Undertaker separated. They've kind of done a good job of doing that the, the past couple weeks or, or past couple weeks of Raw at least, uh, and not yeah. having them face off in a match every single time. So uh, it was. It was a little much, but still pretty entertaining. And you know what? This is just coming to my brain right now. It's kind of reminiscent of when, you know, the shoes on the other foot, but when uh-huh. uh, they abducted Austin and tried to embalm and all that stuff, there was all those backstage right. skits. And, you know, they still interacted, but they weren't having matches and trading wins and getting 50-50 booking and stuff like that. So now that what those were Russo days back then, but... You know, um, it's really reminiscent of that. You know that feud that they had. Yeah, you know, really was. That, was that ninety nine with the um or yeah. ninety eight? I can't remember. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, it's funny. It's kind of like that. But um, 
Well, that'll bring us to uh, it, it ain't over yet, ladies and gentlemen. This brings us to SmackDown '91, May 17th, 01. This is the go home show for Judgment Day, and uh, the, as the show opens, this camera zooms right into the sign that says Kane Inc. Ooh. So, like, Kane Incorporated. A spinoff of Dead Man. Yeah. Subsidiary. Yeah. Exactly. A subsidiary of Dead Man Inc. So, anyway, I guess there's one employee. I'm not sure. But uh, the Brothers of Destruction open the show, and this Kentucky crowd is on fire for them, man. Oh, yeah. They love these dudes. It's great, like, to see them. Like you, like you mentioned, like, Austin and Triple H are actually getting legit heel heat, and these guys are super over baby faces by proxy of that you know or by you know just being on the opposite side of that so well, it was it was still real in kentucky in 2001 oh yeah man yeah this is at the freedom <laughs> hall freedom hall and i think louisville maybe <clears throat> so um or lexington maybe louisville anyway uh kane's dragging his marley chain down and because he's gonna face triple h in that chain match and taker looks angry and he's pacing around the ring during his promo i love when he paces during his promos yes yeah. we didn't see much of that until the the um kind of the end of that ministry era and then him and Big Show and now we got it a lot here but I love it when he's pacing around like a caged animal so he's like I want to make this short and sweet Monday somebody called the Cincinnati PD and told my wife's in a car wreck then the same sorry person decided to call my wife and tell her her mother was in a wreck oh that little tidbit was left out of Raw so I guess they had to make something off for Smackdown so um anyway he's like everybody's fine there was no wreck so the crowd's like Oh, okay. Like all that drama from Monday was is now gone. So right. anyway, he says, "Oh, but when I'm done with whoever made the calls, they'll wish that they were in a car wreck." Um, he says, "Who did it?" Yeah, he said, "I say it's the ball headed, no good, gutless sob Austin." And he says, "Mess with my family, I will hurt you." He then threatens Austin, says he'll, that he's going to have a mangled face if he doesn't give me the right answers tonight. So we're going to see a lot more of this backstage stuff, just like you had on your episode of Raw. We got to see we see um, Austin and Deborah. Um, arrive <laughs> come out of an elevator all of a okay. sudden they're just yeah i don't know they're coming out of an elevator and he's like he tells Debra he's going to beat taker on sunday and regal comes into their locker room and tells him about what taker said earlier and austin says is she dead <laughs> it's just, it's, it shouldn't be funny but it really is he's like telling her about i want to tell you about sarah is she dead and it's just it's just really funny um austin he's just he's so funny as a heel man it's, it's honestly he's oh, his so, timing was awesome he's so yeah. good yeah um but he's angry that takers blaming him he's like i wouldn't dare stoop to that level and so in a, a little bit of booking that i just can't stand to let it go it has nothing to do with with taker here but i, I gotta mention it because we've mentioned how honestly since wrestlemania 17 some of these shows have just been slapped together at the last second um and at this point it doesn't matter because now the wwf has won the war they can be lazy if they want to. But right. Taz and Michael Cole tell us that Tess wants Big Show at Judgment Day, and Big Show wants to fight Tess. They're both former hardcore champions, so Regal made him a triple threat with Rhino. What? <laughs> that's, that's, are you kidding me? I mean, are you kidding me? That's the justification for making that match at Judgment Day. The most random thing I've ever heard. But like I said, you can get away with it when you won the war. I guess. No one, to compete with but like seriously it's it's in 72 hours and they just throw that out there for no reason with no bill because rhino has not interacted with either one of those guys you know so anyway well, the, the, as we're watching the pay-per-view judgment day <clears throat> it felt like the pay-per-view was running short even on the day of when they oh, and, sure. and it was probably running short this time I was like well we need another match so we'll throw this yeah. on there and then we've got <laughs> 10 backstage segments on the pay-per-view too it was definitely yeah. timing issue with that show sure 
So, Taker bursts through Regal, refs, and Sergeant Slaughter and some other jabronis to get to Austin's locker room, and he, he just starts blowing Austin's face up with punches, and he finally gets pulled off, and he's and Austin's like, I didn't make those calls. I wouldn't mess with your wife. He said, all I want is this match on Sunday, and he says, hey, look, it's probably Triple H who did it. He's like, look how he organized that hit on me in 1999. He's like, it all adds up. He made the phone calls to Rikishi and all this stuff, and he's like, he's and then Taker says, well, if you're lying, Austin, I'm going to rip, rip your heart out, so... We're gonna wear each other's skin. We're gonna rip each other's hearts <laughs> out. We got a lot of, lot of, a uh, lot of angst here. So then we see Taker on the phone with the police from Cincinnati, and they tell him that um, the call to the Cincinnati police and to Sarah both came from Triple H's cell phone. So uh-huh. uh, suspicions hears, are correct. Yes, Kane hears his news and he snaps the chain like, like <laughs> I don't know, your dad would like a belt when he's about to snap you. Oh, like, nice! Like you. ripped it in half oh, out no, of no. anger. He, like, no, puts it in his hands and like, ching, ching, oh, okay. like, like okay. moves it back and like pops it like like you know you can't a belt or something. But anyway, he's angry. That's he's taking it out on this chain. So Taker barges back into Regal's office and he's like, "When Triple H gets here tonight, we're gonna have a no holds barred match because what I'm gonna do to that man, I will go to jail for if you don't make it like no holds barred." So um, he demands that, and then we see Triple H and Stephanie arrive backstage and they're just like <laughs> they're walking through. And they're just like, "Hey." Hi, like all these like wrestlers, like I think uh, Crash Holly's standing there, Bob Holly's standing there, Jericho's standing there. They're like, oh hey Jericho, they're just like saying hi to people. It's so what? strange, yeah. And everyone's kind of giving them the cold shoulder though, because they've all just heard that Triple H organized this hit on Sarah uh, or whatever. Okay, okay. We also have a Haku sighting. He's back. Hey, still around. And, and Steph goes, hey, I like your hair. <laughs> Again, it shouldn't be funny, but it is. So, it's, and but just to let you know, he's still employed, ladies and gentlemen. Good for him. So, um, yeah, um, and they walk past Heyman and Steve Lombardi, the Brooklyn Brawler, and then uh, in a second, Triple H comes back out. And he's talking to Heyman. He's like, "What's what's going on?" And Heyman tells him whatever what everybody's been doing. He says, "Austin threw you under the bus." Triple H is so confused now. He's like, I want to know how this involves me at all. And he says, Austin spilled the beans? That redneck piece of trash? So um, Heyman then tells him about the match tonight that he has with Taker, and Triple H leaves to go look for Austin. So we see there may be some dissension here in the uh, two-man power trip. Yes, yes. Could be. So he barges in Austin's locker room and confronts him, and he's like, and Austin goes, we're through, pal, which is straight a Vincent Mann line if I've ever heard one. <laughs> we're through, pal. So. Yeah. Austin says that, and he's like, you're a cheap shot artist. And he tells he tells Triple H they traced the phone calls to his phone, and <laughs> Triple H goes, oh, so all of a sudden you're Dick Tracy? <laughs> that also sounds like a Vince McMahon line. Yeah, That's yeah. the most current reference he could come up with. The most current sleuth reference he could get was Dick Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's my favorite part of this whole build-up so far. I didn't think we'd ever have a Dick Tracy reference on an episode oh, of Talking wait, Taker. But wait till next month. There it is. Um, <clears throat> it was awesome. So Triple H denies it, and Austin's like, now you're guilty of sin. So anyway, they kind of have a little breakup there, and then Triple H demands that Regal erase the match with Taker tonight, and he's like, at least get rid of this stipulation. You know, it, let, let it be a regular match. And Regal just blows up on him. Like, he almost turns babyface here. He's blowing up. He's getting in his face. He's poking him in the chest. He's like, bugger off. And he's going on. People like you deserve, you know, there's a special place for you. People like you don't deserve, you know, what or you deserve what's coming to you. And he's just going off. And the crowd starts cheering Regal. It's, it's hilarious. Nice. Yeah. Then later on, Deborah confronts Stephanie. And she says that she hopes Triple H gets what's coming to him. And Stephanie's like, no, he was framed. So later on, Taker's talking to his brother, and he's like, you know, I want to apologize to you 
because you may not get your match on Sunday, your chain match. He's like, I'm, yeah, I might ruin Triple H in just a minute here. Kane nods like in approval, like he understands. So, um, is Kane mute at this point again? Does he not talk anymore? He didn't talk on Raw either. I don't know. Yeah, what's he hasn't talked in a long in a while. So, anyway, that's a good point. <laughs> he hasn't talked in a long time. So, as Triple H is getting ready for his match, Stephanie suddenly has this epiphany. She's like, Oh, wait, Austin borrowed your phone on Monday. And Triple H has the exact same reaction that I do. He's like, well, that's a little late. You just now remembered this? <laughs> um, so he's like, well, forget it now. He gets a chain and he walks to the ring. And, again, if you don't know where this is headed, you're in the same boat that Triple H is. So um, Taker then rides out for his match. He's got the chain around his neck. It's a no-holds-barred match. Uh, of course, it's personal, so he attacks Triple H on the ramp as he's making his entrance. Absolutely. But, of course, Triple H is making his normal entrance like nothing's happened like we mentioned several episodes ago how you got to get that in and uh, anyway um so they battle on the stage by the ovaltron and taker's just i mean he's just beating him senseless uh at one point they're, they're in the ring <laughs> and uh taker actually grabs him like like a joey ryan move like he grabs him in the private and uh as he does that taz goes it's five on two cole five on two <laughs> It took me a second. It took me a second. But Taz was so excited to get that line out, man. Bravo, Taz. Uh, yeah. Brilliant. That makes up for his uh, day that will live in infancy. Last the other <laughs> yeah, that week. makes up for it right That there. makes up for it. It's 5 on 2, Cole. 5 on 2. I never heard that. So, um, so <laughs> Taker gives Triple H a choke slam, and he's about to give him the last ride off the steps. He's brought the steps into the oh ring. Oh, my God. <laughs> he would have killed this man. So he's, he's about to get in the last ride all the steps. And as he's about to do that, um, Austin's on the Ovaltron up there. And he's like, hey, uh, I'm going to make a phone call here to Sarah. And uh, he calls her, and he's she's like, hello? And he says, oh, your voice sounds as sweet as it did last Monday. And then he goes on to tell that he didn't do it alone. He had a partner in crime. And as he as he says this, Triple H hits Taker in the back with the chain. And apparently – the two-man power trip were in on it the entire time. We've all been hoodwinked. The wool's been pulled over our eyes. The cerebral assassin strikes exactly. again. Exactly. No cracks in the two-man power trip. Um, of course, Kane comes out to make the save. He's got a chain as well. And the two-man power trip bail as the uh, bros of destruction look on in anger in the ring. They're just both super angry from finding out this reveal that these guys were in it the whole time together. So... That's that's our build up to Judgment Day. That's it. A very personal feud. Yeah. A lot of chains. <laughs> a lot of mind games Everything going on has here. Everything has chains as we head into Judgment Day 2001. May 20th, 2001 from Sacramento, California in the Arco Arena. Kind of a smaller arena here. Yeah. It looked like uh, the entryway is very, very small. Very, very short entryway. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess that's why Undertaker didn't have his bike. He doesn't have his bike must when be. he comes yeah. out. But there must be not be enough room to, to even do anything with it here. But, um, yeah, had you ever seen this show before? Uh, yes, I have seen this show. I, although I cannot remember this main event, honestly. I remember the some of the undercard stuff. So I don't remember this main event, but... I do remember the chain match. I don't know why I remember that, but um, wow, well, I forgot. Well, maybe I haven't seen the show. No, we uh, must have because we've seen that Jerry Lynn promo because we yeah, talked about Jerry that Lynn forever. Since we, then. 
We, in uh, fact, I think we watched it together at your house, honestly. I think we watched a uh, VHS. Um, yeah. And I remember the Benoit angle, two out of three falls. Yes, that's stuff, the one I remember. Yeah. And the gauntlet match with Jericho and Benoit. Jericho and uh, Benoit, went, yeah. So, yeah, I remember, I remember that things. stuff. This one, I mean, I know I've seen it, but I didn't remember too sure. much about it uh, going into it here. It didn't stand out. The main event didn't stand out in my mind, in my memory. But, yeah. Um, something that does stand out that I watched it is this opening video. Oh, this was and, so cool. Yes, <laughs> we got the homeless guy from Batman Begins uh, that Bruce Wayne gives his coat to, or, or I don't know somebody from like Home Alone or something. This guy out there, or maybe yelling. an actual homeless person, <laughs> or could be an actual homeless prophet. He's prophesying about the Day of Judgment, and it's like these burn barrels all around him, and he's got this host of people gathered around listening to his his spiel. So um, they're hanging on every word he's saying. But it's a really neat video. But it basically has the two main feuds. Uh, you know the the two man power trips feuds with the brothers of destruction and and like spliced in with this all this stuff this homeless prophet is saying but I just man I, it was really cool <laughs> that was great <laughs> top notch stuff here Ben uh, <laughs> love WWF's production team I love the set oh yeah with the hourglasses uh, fading oh, down yeah. to to the moment of judgment or whatever and uh, yeah Vince was all about Judgment Day tonight in every one of his backstage promos and and on commentary he keeps talking about. It's no judgment day. day. It's judgment day. <laughs> yeah. Someone's going to face their judgment. I'm not going to face yeah. my judgment. Undertaker's going to be judged. Yeah. <laughs> like, he remembered what show it was tonight. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, I say that to say we get a few backstage segments going into this match. We can kind of blow through some of this stuff uh, here. Uh, but um, we're going to... Oh, s- remember how Rikishi came back and he's a big face now? Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. Super push. Yeah. He gets beat in four minutes by Regal. Just saying. I don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind, but like, <laughs> what's the logic? No, anyway, I don't understand go ahead. it. Yeah, we get some nice stuff. It. Triple H and the Pantsuit Princess arrive, and they go into Vince's office, and uh, he questions, you know, why they involve Sarah since he's gonna, he says, take her and Candy going to be way more vindictive now that you made it personal. And so Triple H is like, who are you to say anything about involving wives? <laughs> Didn't you send yours to the sanitarium? So I thought that was pretty funny. Good actually. point there, honey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Undertaker is going to barge into Commissioner Regal's office and threaten him into making the match no holds barred tonight. Says Regal owes him one, so he needs to make that match no holds barred. And Undertaker's reasoning? He doesn't want to go to jail for what he's going to do to Austin tonight. Same thing he said on SmackDown, yeah. It's legal if there's no holds barred. Uh, Then he uh, Regal agrees and... uh, Austin threatens Regal to go and deliver that message himself to Austin. So we see that here in a little while as well. Oh, Regal. Yeah, so Regal, he's kind of hesitating outside there, and he finally comes in and tells Austin it's no whole barred, and Austin's like, all right. And he kind of shrugs it off. So this makes the commentary team, they just, they're just they flabbergasted. Why would he not? That's the story of the whole match. Why would he not? care that it's a no, D, a no DQ or no holds barred match. And so Vince is in rallying the troops backstage and their wives and he's like, we gotta stick together, do the right thing and Triple H is like, we're, tonight we're gonna be the judge, juries, and executioners. So, I'm sure that's a Vince line there as well. Judgment Day, gotta talk about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <clears throat> Kane and Triple H have their Intercontinental title chain match and Kane is actually gonna pick up the win with for the Intercontinental title here because Stone Cold is going to interfere in the match and accidentally knock out Triple H with a chair. So we talked about 
they were faking dissension between the two-man power trip on SmackDown, but here's where the tension between the two-man power trip is actually going to start to tear a rift between them as Austin costs Triple H his title here. Yep, and as Kane celebrates his new title win, we see a Big Daddy Deadman sign in the Ooh, crowd. Maybe that nickname did get over. <laughs> it barely did with this one person, at least. So <laughs> it's over with me in 2019. <laughs> Uh, we also see Triple H after the match. He's all bloodied from uh, the action in there. And Vince is telling him, come on, man, we got to get things together. We still got to take care of this title match later on tonight. And Triple H is upset at him. Uh, he's, you know, he's upset that he lost and everything right. went wrong with him. And Vince is saying, no, 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 we got to stick together. So that's going to lead us to the main event. A Now a no-holds-barred. WWF Championship match between The Undertaker and Stone Cold for the WWF Championship. Did they make it? Was was there his match with the Rocket Mania? Was it no holds barred as well? Did they make it on the show? Uh, the WrestleMania 2001. Yeah, I, I, it wasn't. Yeah, Rocket I can't Austin. remember if they made it on the show, but it was. I feel like they no do that a lot. Now. Like in this time period, they're just like, oh yeah, by the way, it's no no DQ now or something. No yeah, barred. They'll get to the arena and work out the match and figure out they want it to be no holds barred so they gotta yeah. come up with a reasoning to make it like yeah. yeah well um they show this video and as you mentioned this austin's new catchphrase it's my name is stone cold steve austin i'm the world wrestling federation champion and i can't be stopped and he says it like so much it made me sick of hearing it he says it like 14 times in this video that plays before the match itself and um but to save us from that, Vince's music hits, and he comes out for commentary, and I was so excited yes. that he was going to be on commentary. <laughs> Surprises J.R. and Heyman, and J.R. and Heyman are, are in great form here. It's so funny to see yeah, Heyman. Says, I'm not going to stand up. He said, I'm not going to stand up. Was he a woman? <laughs> <laughs> he only stands for women. Oh this is great. Yeah. Uh, it's funny uh, to see Heyman sucking up to Vince McMahon, too. Just oh, like yeah. two months after ECW has gone out of business. And all that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, yeah man, uh, it's Undertaker coming out first, uh, Stone Cold coming out next. And I was just thinking, I said it at the top of the show, we have seen this match many times now on this show in, in many different incarnations. Both of these guys yeah. have come a long way or very different places than when we first, uh, all the way back in 1997, talked about them having a pay-per-view match. Yeah, these are not the same two guys that we saw back then. Their heel-face alignment has changed multiple times, and... Their their attitudes, their fighting styles change, their characters changed. I mean, I think Steve Austin, you know, his has changed a little bit, but I mean, Taker's changed the most. You know, his character, I guess. But um, but you could anyway. say uh, honestly, they're kind of already the last two guys standing from from that time period because Shawn Michaels gone, Bret Hart gone, uh, The Rock wasn't and, a main eventer at that time, but he's he's gone to Hollywood. He's right, not here and, during this time. Mick Foley. And Triple gone. H wasn't a main eventer at that time either. Okay, yeah, you do have Triple H, uh, but, but he wasn't a main eventer at that point. Yeah, right, but, right, right. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Foley's gone. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I didn't think about that. Um, well, one thing Vince was thinking of when Taker's music comes out, it says "Deadman Walking." He goes, "Deadman Walking," you got that right. So, <laughs> he's and a, then he's in a yeah, surly he's, mood 
tonight. It it, it's not the same classic Vince on commentary. No. I was kind of disappointed uh, by his role out here. He, he gets in a few choice lines like that, but he's yeah. a lot, he's not the classic Vince on commentary we have loved so many times. No, he's not. But Jr. gets a cool line in here. He reminds us that Taker's a three-time WWF champion. He says in one time he beat Austin for that title, which would have been – That's a good point. That would have been um, over the edge, right? That was over the edge, yep. Yeah, so they don't mention that pay-per-view, obviously, but we covered that here on Talking Taker, but they mentioned that you know he actually has beaten Austin for the title before, so I thought that was a pretty cool little bit of continuity there. Again, JR looking it up in the almanac. <laughs> Not, not the internet. <laughs> not the internet. He doesn't have that. <laughs> doesn't have that in Oklahoma. He probably wrote it down on a postcard. Uh, <laughs> but even more continuity is that Undertaker does what he we have seen him do so many times here. As Stone Cold is yes. coming out, Undertaker goes and meets Stone Cold in the aisleway and takes the fight right to him because this is it's personal. Maybe the most personal feud Undertaker's been in yet, uh, right here. So he tosses Undertaker all around the aisle and the entryway, the very short entryway, tosses yeah. him back and forth around it, takes him all the way over back to the announce table and chokes Austin with the sound cables over there, just beats him from pillar to post to the arena. Austin's selling like a mug to me. He's falling oh, yeah. and tripping all over the place. I mean, again, this is not the same Austin. This is dangerous alliance stone cold steve austin you know mm-hmm. 1993 or whatever that those years where he was in dangerous alliance like this is him that stunning heel steve he's, austin stunning steve austin so yeah he's flopping all over the place and bumping like a heel it's just funny and then in a cool moment uh as tanker's beating up austin he actually takes his own bandana off and tosses it event self-commentary that i thought great. it was pretty funny great yeah. touch this is good. Uh, another great touch is we see something I don't think we've ever seen before. Is Undertaker does old school, except he hops up on the guardrail while Austin's yeah. on the outside and walks along the guardrail and hits the old school on him right there. Very, very cool. Yeah, very neat. Because he, he takes like the, the top of the, the cover of the table off first, and I was like, oh, he's going to use a table as a spot. No, he just climbs up the table, then on the guardrail and hits old school. It's pretty neat. So I really liked it. Then after that, he throws Austin in the ring, and then they roll back out of the ring and go back up by the <laughs> stage again. And I just wrote my notes. This is very much an Attitude Era brawl. It's very reminiscent of the stuff they used to have back in 97, 98 with, with these two guys, in fact, yeah. even. Yeah, it really um, felt like that. Really. It doesn't um, – yeah, it's not the same as all the undercard matches. Um, it's, it's, it's different. It stands out. Not good or bad. It's just it's, – it's different, so – they use a fire extinguisher. They bring a chair into the ring. Uh, finally, kind of get back towards the ring area. Yeah. Taker grabs a chair, brings it in, but Austin gains control for a minute. Uh, Austin goes for a stunner, uh, but Undertaker blocks it and hits a, hits a big boot of his own. Uh, and they finally start to turn it into sort well, <laughs> it doesn't ever really turn into much of a wrestling match wrestling. here, but uh, yeah. they do finally make it into the ring. Yeah, they're back in the ring at this point, like you said, and um, Austin's beginning to work the knee, and JR's like, that's the key to defeating Taker, you know, which we've seen Austin do that in all their matches back in the day, and, you know, every smart technical wrestler does that to, to Taker to tell a story about him chopping the big man down, but um, they kind of brawl on the outside again here, and JR's talking about how Austin's changed, and it must be Vince's fault. And Vince, Vince goes, no, Austin's exactly the same as he used to be, which I just thought, that's just... I guess it's perfect for him to say it as yeah, a heel, but like heel. it's just so it's a crap because they feuded for three years. Oh, like, it's total crap. But yeah, it makes sense because he's a heel. He's supposed to say BS like that. So, but it it ticked me off. It made me hate him even more, which is what it's supposed to do. So, but it was great. 
Uh, Undertaker starts to stalk Mr. McMahon on the outside of the ring and gets distracted yeah. with him, which kind of allows Austin uh, to get some offense in. And then here's where the real meat of the match comes is that Austin's going to start smashing Undertaker's legs across the ring post, uh, like yeah. uh, wrapped around there and just repeatedly over and over and over again, smashes his oh, legs yeah. into the post, uh, smashes Taker's knees into the steps as well. He's really trying to chop down uh, Undertaker's legs and, and work those over here. Yeah, he hits a chop block on the outside to the knee, and it, like I said, just working his leg. It gets They get back in the ring, and Austin's shoe comes untied. So, um, <laughs> And then <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny, but um, he's JR tells us that he's actually trying to break Taker's legs. So I was like, wow, that's pretty pretty vindictive so but um really working that knee and taker's trying to fight out again he kind of sells he sells this stuff really well he's ripping austin's face and elbowing him and the crowd's really cheering taker at this point and they're beginning to chant you know austin sucks austin sucks and dude he loves it austin loves the heel he's yes, getting right here he flicks I was off impressed. the crowd yeah he's loving it yeah, and I don't remember them really ever cool. <laughs> giving him that much heel heat. I know. It was there, man. You can go back and watch it. And yep. Undertaker, he's getting the crowd alive for him. There, He's in this leg hold for a long time. But long uh, time. like you said, he's fighting in it the entire time. The crowd starts clapping for him. Um, uh, he finally, Undertaker finally fights back up to his feet and sends Austin flying to the outside as he starts to, uh, Undertaker follows him out, starts tearing apart the announce table, the English announce table, uh, which Heyman doesn't appreciate. He says, the Spanish guys are right <laughs> over there. What are you doing? <laughs> I missed that. That's amazing. I didn't hear that. It's, it's the wrong table. It's the wrong table, bro. <laughs> Spanish guys are over there. That's amazing. Uh, that was Heyman's good so good. It was great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> and unfortunately, he's gonna lose his table here as Undertaker grabs yep. the goozle and choke slams Austin right through the English announce table. Yeah, and Vince scurries away like a wounded puppy um, at this point. Man, and uh, Undertaker rolls Austin to the ring and he gets a two count, and he gets a scoop slam, gets another two count, and then Austin kind of powders out and goes and lays in the the rubble of the the dismantled table there. there. And as he does that, he grabs one of the monitors. And he nails Taker right between the eyes with it, and it gets some massive heat from the crowd. And as Taker falls, you can, if you pay attention, you see he's about to blade himself. Um, so, um, but then he goes in the ring and he starts removing the turnbuckle pad. Yeah, which never comes into never play. came into play. Yeah, <laughs> right. I guess right. he was stalling for Undertaker to get the color right there. I or guess something. so. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, uh, interesting that it never comes into anything. Uh, Austin goes outside and unloads on Taker to open up that cut even more. They fight into the ring, and Austin hits the Thez press, which actually gets a lot of heat from the crowd. Yeah, the crowd boos him uh, real bad when that happens. And Austin, once again, does our favorite spot of all time. Hits the multiple covers <laughs> as Undertaker refuses four to stay down. Four of them. <laughs> yeah, he hits four in a row. It's amazing. I love it. Uh, and then he goes and, like, uh, who's the referee? Is it Hebner, I think? He's talking to Hebner, and I think in the corner, and then Taker comes up behind him, and he hits the Ric Flair like mule kick, the yes. low blow, which doesn't matter because it's no holes barred. It's, but it's no just, DQ, yeah. It's funny because it's it's a straight out of Ric Flair's playbook too. So, just like immediately after the multiple pinfalls, so it's funny. Austin uses that moment to hit the old three one six and choke out the Undertaker some more. Uh, Undertaker keeps fighting though. He has a suplex, but Austin just scrambles Taker's brains with a chair, or as Jr. calls it. 
<laughs> Big Waffle House mark out moment. Yeah, he was ready for this show to be over and get to the Waffle House, man. Head ready to, to beat the, the crowd. Take to the house. <laughs> He's starving. <laughs> yeah. So now we know how JR likes his hash browns. Oh, yeah. Or <laughs> smothered covered in chunks. So. Yeah. So what is that? Oh. What's smothered covered in chunks? Onions. Uh, uh, smothered in onions, covered in cheese, and chunked with ham. So Okay. Yeah. <laughs> JR scattered scattered is always understood. It's scattered always, on the always scattered, of course. Yes. Yeah. Scattered smothered covered in chunks. So yeah, that's where all I used to get. So well, all mine. I have the JR special. So anyway. <laughs> if you've never had that, you don't live in America, you never had Waffle House. Hash browns, when you get here, you find a Waffle House down south. First thing you, you do. Hash browns. Yeah. Watch watch uh, Stone Cold E. T. and then go to the Waffle House. <laughs> don't get the harsh browns <laughs> So anyway. Speaking of harsh browns, uh, Heyman and Jr. are going harshly at each other about if Austin has changed or not. And Heyman's like, he, he even comments here that I've managed both these men early in their careers, which is kind of funny because cool. he actually did in WCW. Um, kind of neat. Or in uh, was it would it have been USWA when he was with um, Taker? I don't remember, but anyway, I know he was with him uh, with Austin in WCW. So anyway, we hear Jr. Um, arguing also that. You don't invite the dead man to a fighting dance, which I guess that's something you have in Oklahoma. You have fighting dances. Um, I don't know what that is. Like that um, Michael Jackson. Is it the Beat It video where they fight with the sword fight? That is a fighting fight. dance. You're correct, yeah. sir. <laughs> oh, man. Well, after that CTE chair shot in Taker's head, uh, Austin's inviting Taker to get up. And Taker actually does get up about halfway, and he flicks Austin off. Um, yes, which this was great. It's always fun to see somebody do that to Austin. Oh, so. yeah. The crowd loved it, too. Yeah. Uh, and then Taker uh, does something else rare here as Austin gives yeah. him the stunner, and Undertaker kicks out at two. Uh, yeah. Which the crowd, again, pops real big. They're really into this match, and that was a, a rare feat to see someone kick out of the stunner right that. Oh, yeah. Very, very mean, cool. I can't remember anybody else has kicked out of it at this point, so maybe maybe Taker and Rock. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think The Rock has, but yeah, yeah. pretty rare. Pr- very, past, very protected just, finish. Oh, yeah, for real, like they like they all used to be. So they used to mean something. But um, Austin nails Taker in the back with a chair, but then Taker low, hits a Death Valley blow on him, and then he hits a choke slam. He then grabs the chair and beats Austin with it repeatedly. And then, of course, his buddy Triple H is going to run out. He's bloodied up, but he's got the sledgehammer. He's coming in, and he gets a chair shot or five from Taker. And, and <laughs> he then, gives him uh, some Big Daddy Dead Man spankings to both the guys <laughs> as they're on the ground. Chair spanking, little boys. So, uh, and then uh, Austin is going to get a CTE chair shot, but uh, Vince is going to break up the pinfall here. Vince slides in and breaks up. Um, and then Taker unloads on McMahon and gives him some punches. Austin gets up. And he accidentally hits McMahon with the chair, and the crowd is on fire for this finishing sequence, man. They really buy into Undertaker winning the title here as everything keeps going wrong for the two-man power trip. Uh, But Triple H is finally going to get that sledgehammer shot on the Undertaker. But maybe Kane is going to come out to save the day as his pyro suddenly goes off. Yeah, like you said, Austin, or excuse me, Triple H nails Taker with the sledgehammer, and then Austin goes to cover him. Kane's music hits, and it's a very short runway, but he runs out. But before he even gets to the ring, Austin pins uh, Taker at 23 minutes and 8 seconds. And it was kind of just like, I don't know if it was mistimed or someone missed their spot or what, but it was it was strange. But, I mean, it played in the story. It made sense, but honestly, the timing was a little bit weird. Well, so. it, 
it almost didn't make sense because like why wouldn't Kane come out any earlier? But he's earlier, got well, these yeah. guys beating up his brother, and he comes out at the last possible second and totally That's misses true. the opportunity here. That was that was my only nitpick with with the match was that little slip in logic there toward the end. I know you got to have Austin wins, so you got to do something, but that kind of that was kind of weird. Yeah, I felt like it should have been a little earlier, so I'm not sure what happened there, but. It just seemed like the ending came out of nowhere. Yeah, but, um, it, it makes Kane look like kind of an idiot. Yeah, but I guess he has that that broken wing, so maybe mm. we can give him forgive him there. Yeah, but, sure. Anyway, but yeah, so um, the heels leave with their titles held high. Taker sulks in the ring. Kane's kind of by his side and just kind of got his head down, and I guess he's ashamed that he was too slow. <laughs> so um, I just wrote that the ending was like overbooked, like it was a Russo style um, era, you know. But it was it doesn't take away from it, you know. Um, it was fun, and it, you know Austin got a win over Taker. It wasn't a clean victory, but you know he shouldn't get that because he's a heel. So, but um, remind me of their earlier matches. But um, I, I don't know. I, I wrote my notes. I wouldn't go out of my way to catch it. But as we're as we're talking about it, I really enjoyed it. Uh, honestly, we're kind of recapping here. It was actually better than I remembered. So, uh, I would go out of my way to see it. So. Yeah, I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to or remembered it as well. Maybe I had low expectations, but it was, like you said, very early Attitude Era-esque, very 97, 98. Uh, felt like a return to that form. The crowd was really hot. I think that really added to it here. Yeah. Really into that finishing sequence. And yeah, it was a little overbooked, but uh, I was feeling it, man. Not I, in I a bad getting, way, I was, yeah. I could imagine being in 2001 and being really hot for it. Uh, oh, not, yeah. Not knowing absolutely. what the finish was and thinking the title might change hands here. And, I mean, Austin was – he could play that heel character well. I know it yeah. gets looked at as one of the biggest flops and failures of all time, but I think we need to revisit that narrative. Like, go back and watch this match, and you might have a different opinion on if Austin's heel turn was a failure or not. So – I don't know. I'd be interested to hear what our listeners think, especially, you know, uh, maybe if you think you hated this match, go back and watch it here uh, in 2019 and see if you really do hate it or if you really thought it was dumb or something like that. And let us know what you thought of it. If if it holds up, if it's better or worse than you remember it, uh, we want to hear your thoughts on this matchup. Uh, You can, of course, let us know all those thoughts on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Talking Taker. Real easy to find on all those. And uh, follow us along on this journey, rolling, rolling, rolling through The Undertaker's Last Ride. Uh, We appreciate all of you out there doing it. Uh, I want to give a special shout-out to one of our listeners. Shout-out to Polly Richards, at Polly Richards. That's Polly with an I, who said, after discovering your podcast a couple months ago, Finally caught up with your episodes, and like another one of your listeners, I remember watching most of my WWF on Channel 4 here in the UK. Hashtag yeah. Taker Easy. So I remember nice. Polly reaching out back when I first started uh, yeah. uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, it's cool that you finally caught up, and now you'll hear this on, on this episode. And man, that that's just really awesome. I love hearing from listeners that kind of pick up uh, from the beginning and we've seen a lot of listeners go back through the archives when they first hear about us so uh, I think that's awesome uh, that you that you enjoyed enough to, to go back and enjoy it and to suffer through the audio quality from the first several episodes because <laughs> yeah. we've gotten a lot better I must say so, <laughs> the audio has at least I'm not saying we have but the audio has so yeah we've gotten a lot longer if nothing else there's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more there's more to cover it's there so is cover I here. know man Back then, it was just superstars and wrestling classic, and or whatever. <laughs> That's all we had. So, 
We uh, appreciate all of our creatures of the night who have been along for the entire ride. Man, uh, those guys that have been there uh, for many, many months and are going to keep uh, continuing on with us. Uh, we appreciate the Bottom Line Wrestling Podcast for giving us a shout-out every week. And, of course, this is the perfect time. If you need some more Stone Cold Steve Austin, if you can't get enough, go over and give them a follow at Bottom Line Cast on Twitter to hear all about Stone Cold's career. They'll get to this matchup in this time period eventually, so you can kind of compare notes with what they thought of it and what we thought of it and how they're looking at it from Stone Cold's perspective. So go check them out. Uh, Go check out that Undertaker video that we posted on social media as well. And also, let's talk about next week's episode, Travis. We're going to do something a little bit different here. As requested by one of our listeners, uh, St. Ridley Santos requested this long time ago, uh, and I told him we'd get to it eventually when we found the right time for it, and now's going to be the right time for it next week. We're going to take a break from the 2001 narrative and go way, 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 way back to before The Undertaker was even The Undertaker. Yes take a way back trip and in our way back machine and go back when he was just old mean mark callus himself so in the future uh future undertaker and wcw jabroni at this point <laughs> so we're doing this because the next stop on our encyclopedic exploration through the undertaker's pay-per-view career is going to take us to invasion 2001 so the WCW has finally collapsed and now they're going to reform and rise like a phoenix from the ashes and take on the WWF. We've spent a lot of time talking about WCW on the show. We were both huge WCW marks back in the day. Travis, you were WCW for life. Um, So we've talked about kind of the parallels between WCW and WWF through the years and The Undertaker was not the Undertaker back in WCW, so we, we, right. weren't, we weren't sure if we were ever going to talk about his time, Mark Calloway's time before the WWF, but uh, since a few of you have won, especially St. Ridley, we're going to go back and do it, kind of do a run-through of his entire run in WCW and that early part of his career. We're going to focus particularly on the 1990 Great American Bash pay-per-view and review... It's a barn burner, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you just wait. <laughs> We're going to review Lex Luger versus Mark Callis with Pauly Dangerously in his corner Look at that. for the United States Championship. So, mm. Mark Callis getting a title shot there. We'll talk a little bit about his run in WCW, why it didn't work out, how he came to the WWF, give a little bit of that backstory as much as we can, and sort of be a bonus episode as we head into the WCW invasion. And we'll talk about Undertaker versus some of WCW's greatest and not-so-greatest stars ever (laughs) in the (laughs) WWF over the next few weeks of the show. Just kind of a fun diversion and, and different type of look at the man who would become Taker. Yeah, absolutely. It just seemed appropriate as we're entering into this invasion, and like you said, WWE's dead, um, or they're kind of being brought back on live support with the WWF. But um, anyway, it seems appropriate. There's no time better than now to stick it in there, and so we're going to go ahead and do that. Episode 75 next week will be our bonus episode with me, Mark Callis, Mark Calloway, whatever the heck you want to call him, Booger Red, Red, Red Booger, whatever. We'll get. It. Actually, no, we'll get the Booger Red couple years so we will and yeah. you know like you said this will be Texas of, Red that was a Texas Red <laughs> yeah. 
Well, this will be kind of cool to look at everything we've covered in 11 years of Undertaker's career and see how much he's grown since these days and see if we can see any of the elements that we're seeing in his career nowadays, seeing if there's any right. parallels, if there was any of that there in the early days. Uh, I think it'll be neat. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Before we get there, again, we'd like to hear if your uh, comments about this show, if you were there at the Arco Arena in Sacramento, California, that hot crowd, man. That California crowd was hot for this this match. And so if you were there, let us know what you think. Let us know about the rest of the night, too. We had a pretty good undercard. That tag, those tag matches and Benoit angle match. And um, anyway, let us know about that and let us know about your, um, your thoughts about this match in particular. Um, other than that, ladies and gentlemen, take it easy. God knows I've worked all my life to become the WWF light heavyweight champion. And what do I get for my efforts? I get to talk. Well, big whoopity doo! Huh. I hope I earned my keep today. How was that, JR? Was my interview okay for you, JR? Huh? Am I a good enough champ for you, JR? Yeah, JR, is he? What's JR gonna do with it? So I guarantee you one thing. If I was there, I'd give a whole new meaning to the words Judgment Day. If you don't believe me, just watch me. That was pretty cool, huh? Yeah.